0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Premier League on Tap, your EPL Fantasy Draft podcast. My name is Zach. I'm going to be your host for today. And uh, I know you may be expecting a different voice greeting over the air, but unfortunately, our previous host, Nate, is going to be stepping away from the fantasy world for the time being. Um, Though we'd like to think of draft PL as a full-time job, sometimes our second careers, which just so happen to pay for everything, uh, require extra attention. So that being said, Peter and I wish him the best. And I'm sure you can all expect him to be posting some of his traditional thought-provoking content on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at PL Draftopia. And uh, with that being said, let's get into this week's rundown. So in game week 27, I'd say the big talk of the town is the approaching DGW for the teams below: Brighton, Brentford, Southampton, and Crystal Palace. Uh, and I've actually ranked those teams in order of who I in general, would prefer to stream. I think it's probably a consensus that most people would prefer to stream Brighton over Crystal Palace, but I think it just is good to chart this out because we've got, uh, anyways, for Brighton, a 1.5 goal uh, combined favorite spread. So if you take the amount that they're favored for both of their two games and sum that together, you get one one and a half goals. Whereas at the bottom of that spectrum, you've got Crystal Palace, who are actually 2.5 goal underdogs combined. So, uh, you know, just just to brief everything before we look at things from more of a single game week perspective, um, I would say that Brighton, uh, if you have those assets, you should be expecting quite a bit more from them. Uh, given the DGW, uh, Brentford are actually a pick em in both of their games, meaning they aren't favored to win either, but they're not underdogs either. Uh, so I would say that's a safe upgrade for all Brentford assets that you're looking to start on a weekly basis. Uh, and you might be able to get away with the odd starter here or there that you wouldn't normally in a single game week. Uh, Southampton are actually 1.5 goal underdogs, mostly uh, because of their matchup against Manchester United, uh, which is the first one. Uh, So I would say proceed with caution with with most of those players, but they are still viable in a pinch. And then Crystal Palace, you've got 2.5 goal underdogs combined. Meaning uh, against City and Brighton, uh, they are anticipated to lose by uh, two and a half goals over the course of those two games. Uh, So I would really stay away from most of Crystal Palace assets before we even get into the analysis because uh, it's likely going to require two games for those assets to even get you what an average single game week matchup would. Uh, And add on top of that, the fact that your players might not start both games. And Brighton is the better matchup, which is second. Um, so managers might find themselves in a quandary if they have players along the likes of uh, Abrechi Eze, um, Joaquim Anderson, and potentially Olise Erzaha, but we'll get into those fellas later. Um, But with that, let's get into the first matchup. Saturday, 7.30, we've got Bournemouth v. Liverpool. Liverpool minus 1.25 goals with an over-under of 3. This one should be somewhat of a goal fest as Liverpool are coming off of a 7-0 route uh, against Manchester United, but Bournemouth actually held their own in the 3-2 loss to Arsenal and Uh, Could have walked away with a better result there. So they'll be looking to come back to home and uh, try and get something against a Liverpool side, which uh, before recently had been pretty shaky. So we'll see how that turns out. But uh, in terms of starters for Bournemouth, I'm looking at Hamid Traore as a mid three. Uh, He's pretty creative and he's probably one of the only players um, on Bournemouth that I'm looking to start here. I could see uh, Dango Otara if you're in a pinch at forward. Uh, with Bournemouth at home and Liverpool at at times being susceptible, but uh, I think Liverpool are turning a bit of a leaf here, so I would play cautious uh, with any of those Bournemouth attackers and midfielder options, and I'd be willing to also start uh, Marcus Tavernier as something similar to Hamid Traore, who is also injured and may not even play, Um, but both of them are mid-threes and nothing more, so uh, just temper your expectations on those fellas and don't even think twice about starting those defenders Uh, they have absolutely, uh, no potential of returning anything for you of value here for fantasy. Um, and probably none of them should be owned in the first place. Um, moving on to Liverpool, uh, start everyone really, uh, other than your Henderson and potentially your Fabinho. Uh, it's the first game. You've got plenty of time to pivot to other guys. You can do much better than that. And, uh, you know, one of the guys that I'm actually looking to stream here is Harvey Elliott. Uh, he is top 20 in shots creating actions, goal creating actions, and he has been on fire lately and doesn't look like he's going to be dropped. So as long as he gets 80 minutes in this game, uh, I see him as a mid three floor uh, with the potential of of being more like a mid two. Um, I think minutes being... One of the limiting factors there. We want to see guys in the mid one category going ninety minutes almost every game. Um, but I, like I said, uh, it's a positive matchup against Bournemouth, who are very susceptible. And uh, I would see as, Elliot as one of their main creative options from midfield. Uh, there's not too many other streaming category players here, but uh, you could you could also sneak Konate in there too. Um, he's he's a bit higher owned than I would qualify as a streamer but i know in some of your leagues he may be available so um, yeah let's move on to the uh, tottenham versus nottingham forest game uh got a battle of the hams here love that we've got tottenham minus 1.25 goals over under of 2.75 um we're not quite sure who we're going to see here from tottenham starting at right back is the biggest question for me um i'd love to see pedro Porro start there but uh we could see emerson come back as he's uh returning from injury here uh and tottenham's actually been recently eliminated from the champions league so they're gonna be focusing on trying to get top four in the league i think at this point forward um but they are a very shaky team so you really never know what you're gonna get you've got them at home though against nottingham forest who are atrocious away so I think you've got to back almost all of their defenders to uh, put in a good shift. It doesn't mean you have to start them. Guys like uh, Dyer or Sanchez uh, or even maybe Romero. I don't see as must starts, but uh, I probably would start uh, Pedro Poro. Uh, ben Davies is a very strong start, and you know you could get away with Dyer, I think, as well. But uh, whoever's at that left back spot, I know it could be Perisic, it could be Sessegnon. Um I think they're fine. They're viable. They'll get forward. They'll have chances. But uh, I'm not as enthused about them as I would be either uh, between either of the right backs. And then Nottingham Forest, uh, I think it's been pretty clear cut the whole season. There's not many assets here that you want to start. I know they had a short run, uh, but it seems that run may be somewhat over. Uh, but we did see Morgan Gibbs White uh, take over a lot of the set pieces last week and put in a decent performance of Ghosts. So uh, moving forward, I'm considering him like a mid-three most weeks, um, as long as the matchup is not Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, etc. Uh, I don't think Tottenham are quite in that elite tier of defenses, so I'm safe uh, playing him here, as well as Brendan Johnson is a forward two, who's, who's uh, funny enough, currently forward 13 overall. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to maybe extract from this game going forward. I know oh, Conte... You know, if he were to lose here, this would be pretty detrimental for his career. Um, although there are rumors that he's going to leave in the summer, um, you know, and Nottingham Forest are just trying to constantly stay uh, floating above relegation. So I think both of these teams here are going to be battling. But you know, ultimately the odds makers are telling us what's going to happen here. So uh, bench all those Nottingham Forest defenders. They don't they don't have any appeal for me right here. If I were to play one, it would probably be Aurier, and uh, I am not. Very enthused with the idea of starting him. So into the next one. We've got Leicester City versus Chelsea. Chelsea minus 0.5 goals, over-under of 2.5. Uh Chelsea are coming off of a great win against Dortmund, 2-0. Um they really showed some form um against a top team, really, uh, in Dortmund, though they may have been down an injured fella or two. It's it it's pretty shocking to me that they were able to turn it in against Dortmund, but have suffered against uh, some other competition in the league that I think are far inferior. But uh, much of that, I think, you know, the people out there are going to attribute to the change in Grand Potter's strategy to a back three or back five, however you want to look at it, since you know both of their wingers are really defenders. Um, I think that. Going forward, Chelsea assets definitely have to upgrade, given this change in formation, um, even the center backs, even the wing backs, just because they seem to be able to get more possession on the field. I know that they may be seeding uh, one defender in theory, um, you know, lowering some of their ability to to, to get behind the ball. But um, you know, one of Chelsea's biggest issues is they just haven't been able to generate uh, high quality chances and put them away when they do. So um, hopefully this this allows them to be more on the front foot, and you know your best offense can or your best defense can sometimes be offense. So uh, we'll see how that goes for Chelsea going forward. But as things you know transpire for Leicester City here, I think that you could you could do a lot worse than streaming one of their defenders against Chelsea, who still um, you know while they have improved, I don't think are. Uh, quite back to form and really even when they were peak Chelsea they never were a high scoring team so I'm not all that worried about the defenders here from Leicester City though they obviously you know only have so much upside here because Chelsea I think is going to probably control possession here in this game and they're going to find themselves on the back foot Um, one of the biggest debates in my mind is whether you start Iheanacho or not given his poor form recently Uh, I would say so uh it's stardom that is because he's gotten so many shots recently and we're chasing volume here in fantasy we're not chasing results we're not chasing points uh, ghost 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 points are great they can be a leading indicator sometimes but um we want to see volume in front of net uh, especially for a striker like he Anacho. nacho uh, and i think leicester city is going to be able to provide that in this game it's just a matter of whether uh chelsea shows up like they did midweek or not but they may be tired we'll see how that goes. Um, But moving on to Chelsea, I see Fofana is a very strong streamer. As a defender three, he's really starting to kind of prove his transfer uh, now that he's coming off injury and uh, getting a foothold in that starting lineup in that back three. I think that suits him fantastically as he is a good passer of the ball going forward. So um, yeah, look for him on your waiver wire if he's available. Uh, Last I checked, he was roughly 30% owned, but um, given the, the win that they just came off, who knows, maybe he's at 50% um, now in your league. So, so yeah, keep an eye out for him. And other than that, I don't think there are going to be too many Chelsea assets that are going to be on your wire. Uh, I'm comfortable starting all of them right here, but just know any of those wingers could uh, have the threat of coming off around 60 minutes and uh, get their appearance cut short. So in a low-scoring offense, uh, albeit an improving offense, uh, I am not especially looking to start these forward options, but uh, like I said, you can you can totally do that in a bind and you may have no other options. So um, yeah, moving on to Leeds Brighton. Uh, Brighton's favored by half a goal. Um, one of the first EGWs here. Um, also over under of two and a half. So a pretty average scoring game here, uh, even though Leeds have been susceptible at times and Brighton, you know, at least early in the season were a goal-scoring machine, but have since cooled off. So, you know, I I think, you know, the story of this one is you know, how many are Brighton going to be able to put away against Leeds. Uh, and you know, I I could see this one being like a 2-1 win for Brighton, so I'm not especially honing in on Leeds Leeds assets in the defense. I know, you know, Furpo has been doing well as of late, averaging 14.4 points in his last starts. Uh, But that was against Everton, Southampton, and Chelsea, and I don't anticipate that continuing as we go forward, though I would not be surprised if he put up a respectable six to eight points performance against Brighton here uh, at home, it must be said, uh, where defenders do typically seem to perform at a higher level than they otherwise would. Um, Streaming-wise, I think you could do worse than Adams as a mid-4-5, but... um, you know, I know he'll be busy. I think there are better mid-options going forward. But again, you could do worse than him. And uh, moving forward to Brighton, I think Evan Ferguson, very strong start this week. I'd put him firmly in the forward two category. Um, you know, with the with the likes of probably an Iheanacho maybe or a Brennan Johnson this week. Um, He's someone that I feel pretty confident in uh, returning high-end forward two numbers, uh, given his DGW, Um, though you could see him yanked early, which is is my one concern. If he were able to play 90 minutes in both games, I think that he could have a really good chance of returning forward one numbers. and Moving on to the midfield, I'd see Caicedo as a very strong start, given the fact that he will play both both games most likely, and 90 minutes in, in both of them. So he should be able to return for you 12 to 15 points. Um, and then the defense is really a debate, and I know a lot of people are going to be considering uh, some of these assets uh, you know, for this game week that they, they might not otherwise, uh, i.e. Veltman, Dunk, Webster... Uh, I see Veltman as a strong defender, too, since Lamptey is uh, assumedly injured. We don't know if he's going to be out for both games or not, but um, Veltman should be able to get forward at least a little bit in both of these matchups. They could be high-paced, so I could see him racking up some decent ghost points, even if they give up a goal or two. Over the course of two games, he should be able to safely get you 10. Um, Assuming he starts both games is is always the caveat. Um, I don't want to hear... People in my mentions saying, oh, you promised Feltman would start both games. Well, sometimes that doesn't always happen. But uh, I think he's a pretty good bet um, to start both games given that injury like I mentioned. Um, One of the debatable plays this week might be uh, Jason Steele in goalkeeper. Um, I know I don't normally mention goalkeepers, but on the DGW, I'm sure a lot of people are considering it. And he um, kind of has the vote of confidence from DeZeruby. So we shall see if he continues to be the starting option at goalkeeper for Brighton. Um, if he does start the first game, uh, I would lean towards starting him uh, just because he has the potential of playing two games in what seem to be two very positive matchups. So, uh, And then Duncan Webster, you can get you can get them into your squad as a defender three, but I am not chasing them at all. If you are going to spend any fab, if that hasn't run already, it would be zero for me. But they are options nonetheless, and I could see doing a lot worse. I'd prefer them over starting any of the Leeds defenders uh, realistically. So, load on those Brighton assets if you can. I know there's not a lot of them out there, but um, you know this is a great matchup. And until we see something click for Leeds, I'd say most of them are uh, fairly droppable on a game by game basis. So, moving on to Everton versus Brentford, uh, we've got to pick them here. Um, so they're deadlocked at. Uh, 2.25 goal over under. This game is looking like a pretty bone-dry one from an entertainment perspective, and also from a fantasy perspective, I am not very scintillated by the idea of this game. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be looking at Brentford as a good streaming option, and while I would agree with those people, uh, you know, Everton can still be stingy defensively, and I would not expect Brentford to put away uh, too many goals against them, but uh, here we are in a DGW. They are very tempting. I can understand that. So players like Rico Henry, uh, I would be in on. Aaron Hickey, uh, maybe a little bit below him. Uh, but I would also be in on both of them as, you know, pseudo D th- defender three uh, with potential to get more depending on if they start both games, which is never a definite. Um, and I could also see streaming Dam's this week as as a, as a strong option, actually. I've seen some pessimism Uh, amongst the community on him but he has ghosted very well in almost every appearance he's had his points per 90 are solid so if he starts uh if he starts number one i would i would roll him out there given he'll probably get roughly 65 70 minutes in that first one and maybe a sub appearance in the second uh otherwise i'm out i am not going to bank on him starting the second one and subbing in the first one he's not good enough for that But he could be worth a pickup, maybe grab him ahead of time just in case he does start so that you can beat the rest of your league to him because I think he is what we would define as a high upside streamer. Um, And then other than that, Brentford, I'm probably starting almost everyone that averages 75 minutes or more each game, um, including all those central midfielders. They are all great options this week, um, including both center backs, obviously, but they are probably owned in your leagues. Uh, moving on to Crystal Palace versus city. Um, so this is this is one of those that I think um, or this is one of those teams in Crystal Palace that I think is a trap this week. if any of you were um, tempted by them, I don't I don't think uh, any of you savvy players really are gonna fall for this one anymore. Um, as we know, not all double game weeks are created equal. Um, Palace here, if you know this goes to you know what the odds makers say it's gonna go. Uh, are not in a great spot, at least defensively, and do not project to have quite a bit of possession. So you're going to have limited opportunities and touches for all of these players to earn points against City. And I'm not really looking at uh, too many of these Palace options off the waiver wire, Um, whether that be Tyrek Mitchell, Mark Gaye, Ducore, I think, is actually suspended for the first one, so that kind of saves you from making that mistake. Uh, I I think some of the guys that people are going to be looking to start are Alise, who I would. As, a, as I'd say, a strong mid three, but more of a floor play this week since his chances of scoring are going to be low. Aze, um, who, if he starts the first one, I'm definitely going to be tempted in starting. Uh, and then Zaha, who, you know, kind of played as the nine in his return last week. Against City, that doesn't hold a lot of value, I know, because the forward is traditionally not going to see too many touches. But uh, I think with the forward landscape, you're going to probably be forced into playing him in this DGW. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe you have um, Rashford, Tony, and Holland up top, and and you can you can deal without him. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, moving on to City, the people that actually um, are going to hold any value this week in this matchup, um, I, I'd really start anyone that's not a defender, and, and and even then, you know, you you can get away with it. I know we tempt. We tempt fate every week starting these defenders and kind of get let down as, as you know, those of you who started a city defender against Bournemouth figured out the tough way. But, um, you know, I think it's Chris, Crystal Palace is one of the least potent offenses in the league. They don't generate many chances and uh, other defenses fare well against them for that reason. So even though Man City are away here and they've only got the single game week, you could do worse than streaming one of their defenders. But just beware, it, it, it's probably looking like a... a you know, five to eight point performance out of them. So more of a floor play, if anything. Um, yeah, yeah. So d- stay away from Crystal Palace in general. Don't get tempted into starting any of those defenders, especially. And uh, yeah, we'll move on into Sunday with the uh, 10 a.m. kickoff Fulham versus Arsenal. Arsenal minus .75 goals. Um, got the over-under set at two and a half. Uh, so this one could be more even of a game uh, than, than others would expect. But, uh, you know, I'm really only starting the studs from Fulham this week. I'm not looking to stream anyone else. Uh, they don't seem to, you know, generate enough points from their midfielders other than Pereira. And, uh, you know, I think you can get away with starting Tete here because he is in that defender one category, whether you like it or not. Um, and then also Mitro, obviously, but other than those guys, I'm really not looking to start anyone. I know Manor Solomon looks like he is him uh, and certainly should be picked up in all of your leagues if he's available. Uh, but this one, really, I'm not, I, I don't see much upside for him. He, he could start, he could definitely start, but if he only goes 60, 70 minutes in this game against an Arsenal team who looks to keep more possession here, I don't see there being lots of opportunity for him, and he would be more of a goal-dependent forward three. So uh, I I would bench him this week if you can, but I understand sometimes you just get put in a spot, and uh, maybe you want to ride in the flames with him. I can't blame you there. There is upside to be had, but I just think it's limited this week with him. Uh, For Arsenal, we've got actually Jesus back in full training. I wouldn't anticipate him being back for this game. Uh, Hopefully he can make a bench appearance soon. But uh, the days for Nketiah and Trossard starting are dwindling. So if you haven't already traded him out, you're probably stuck with them, unfortunately. And just get your starts while you can before that happens. Um, That being said, uh, I would start any and all Arsenal assets this week against Fulham. Um, Maybe avoid your Tomiyasu this week or... um, you know, if you have a better defensive option, maybe you're Gabriel. But I, I think in general, you should pretty much be starting every Arsenal asset. Um, well, that's that's not Party or uh, Jorginho or Chaka. But the front four, you know you're starting every week. So there's not much to be said there. I think this should be a pretty back-and-forth game. Um, should be an exciting one to watch. And um, yeah, especially coming off that, that win against Bournemouth last week, Arsenal is going to be firing... They may be a bit tired coming off of this uh, tie against Sporting today, but uh, I anticipate them being ready for the challenge here. So, uh, Yeah, we've got West Ham versus Villa up next. West Ham minus a quarter goal over under 2.5. This one looks to be a pretty boring game as well, if I'm being honest. Um, but we've got uh, on West Ham's side, we've got cornet who's close to return. He's one to keep an eye on, but definitely not pick up yet. Um, ben Rama's is a strong start, as always, I think, if he starts... Um, you've got to roll him out there. He has performed admirably every game that he's played. He gets some set pieces here and there. He's always dangerous to score. Uh, I'm really unsure why he doesn't start more games, but uh, continue to roll him out there whenever he starts. He is a, a higher upside uh, play in every even or positive matchup uh, that he is starting. So uh, Villa are known to ship goals, so I am not necessarily looking toward their defenders here in an away matchup at West Ham. But I think that there's potential with their forward line, and I would be comfortable streaming uh, Leon Bailey alongside uh, Ollie Watkins this week, who, um, you know, could nick a goal. But West Ham has been improving uh, defensively and actually won uh, their Europa Conference League game today uh, 2-0. I know the team was not of the uh, Aston Villa caliber, but uh, this should be be a a pretty boring game, if I'm being honest, so... (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm not looking to stream too many players here. Um, let's move on to, to Man United versus Southampton. We've got Man United minus 1.25 goals within over-under of three. Um, you're going to see Man United probably uh, pretty angry coming off of the loss to Liverpool last week. That was uh, probably one of the games of the season, uh, if I do say so myself. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to watch a minute of it as I was hitting the slopes, but um, I did see uh, quite a few notifications on my phone at the end of that, and was able to watch back some of the highlights, and I think one of the things that, you know, it told me, and, and, you know, I know I'm touting Liverpool here and we're not even on Liverpool right now, but it just needs to be said, I think some of the bad fortune that they encountered earlier in the season may be swinging the other way. Obviously, I wouldn't expect them to bag seven goals every week, but um, I think things are going to turn around for them. And uh, I think that the opposite can be said for Man United. I don't think that uh, they really deserved to get scored on seven times necessarily. I think there were lots of uh, small mistakes that they wouldn't normally make. Um, and they, they had some chances that they could have scored for sure, uh, especially in the first half and then one or two in the second half. So uh, if you're a Man United fan or someone looking to start a Man United asset, I wouldn't let uh, last week affect you too much. I would just move on uh, and treat them as they were before the 7 nothing route so with that being uh with that being said we've got Jaden Sancho this week as a start and I'm actually suggesting him as a midfielder one um he is he is top 10 in goal creating actions and shot creating actions actually I believe top five in uh, shot creating actions so when he is on the field he is fantastic at creating chances especially since he's returned obviously, um, those numbers might even be a bit deflated from his poor, poor form early in the season. But since he's returned, he has, as you know, looked like a different player. So I think now is probably the last chance you're going to get to trade Jaden Sancho in, if um, you can, you know, finagle him away from that Manchester United manager that probably owns him. Uh, but if you can, absolutely, he's a great option. I actually see him similarly to uh, Grealish rest of season. Uh, the one big debate is if he's going to start. Uh, obviously, Anthony started over him uh, in today's matchup against uh, Ch- 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 Batiste, I believe it was. Um, but I think Sancho uh, should be able to see some more league starts. And when he starts, he he often floats into that uh, central uh, attacking mid position. And he should be one of those creative forces in a side that should score plenty of goals the rest of the season and, and you know, I think things are things are going to turn up for Man U. I don't think that um, their form is going to dip anytime soon. I know they had you know the hiccup last week, but like I said, proceed as if that didn't happen. Uh, especially when you've got a matchup against Southampton, uh, who are pretty weak at the back and have not looked the same. They, um, you know, not look the same as of you know what they were the past few years. They cannot just they can just not stop anything. Really, it seems. Um, there's just too much turmoil going on and, and realistically, they're looking like a team that is going to be relegated this year. Uh, so, you know, I know they got the DGW and this is where the debates are going to come in with Southampton, but I'm personally trying to stay away from them. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I think that most Southampton assets are going to present more upside than like a crystal palace asset, but I'd prefer a, Bright- a Brighton or a Brentford double game week asset over anyone on Southampton realistically, um, so, uh, moving forward, we've got Newcastle versus Wolves. We got Newcastle minus 0.75 goals over under of 2.25. Um, Newcastle have had a bit of dip in form losing two nothing to Man City last week. I know some of these matchups have been a little bit more difficult and we see maybe this matchup against Wolves is a bounce back opportunity for them. And I-, I would tend to agree with that, um, given the context of the game and, um, you know, the form that they were in before. I think that you know maybe earlier in the season this Newcastle team was performing above their talent level, and uh, now they might be performing below. So I think an opportunity against Wolves should uh, give them the opportunity to get some possession back, create some chances, and um, you know I, I would see this game being like a one nothing win for Newcastle. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's a lot of goal upside here. Wolves are a decent decent side, you know, to their own right defensively, but. Uh, I, I just don't see them being potent enough to put one or two past this Newcastle side at home. Uh, in Newcastle at home, similar to Nottingham Forest at home, are a whole different creature. Uh, so I think that this is going to be pretty one-sided overall. With that in mind, I'm starting any Newcastle forwards uh, that you can get your hands on this week. And in the midfield, I believe Joelinton is suspended for the next two games with an accumulation of yellow cards. So if someone like Willick were to step in, uh, I could see him as a viable streamer this week, who I'd probably prefer over uh, a couple of DGW assets in Southampton and Crystal Palace. But um, you know, you could still do better than him, I think, on the week. Uh, And then defensively, you know you're starting all your Newcastle assets. If you can bring any of those guys in via trade, uh, especially I would be looking to do that at this point in time, as uh, I think things are going to turn up for Newcastle moving forward. Uh, on the wolf side uh, you know I'm not too afraid of Newcastle offensively I, I, I said that they probably win this game one nothing would be my guess um, and I think that's what the odds makers are generally expecting they're thinking one maybe two nothing um, so you know I think it's safe to stream a wolfs defender they should see plenty of work uh, I don't I don't know if I'd venture to start a Dawson but I could be convinced into a max Kilman uh, I Nori if he starts. Um, maybe even tomato, but for tomato, the, the issue really is his, his inclination to accumulate yellow cards, uh, which really just sinks a player if they, if they do that on a regular basis. Uh, see Joe Allenton for details. Um, but let's let's move on to Wednesday uh, where we've got Brighton V Crystal Palace. Um, we've got Brighton favored by uh, one goal in an over under of 2.5. Um, now we start getting into those uh, double game week matchups here. So uh, some of the um, you know gray area gets washed out here when, you know, if, if a guy starts from Brighton in the first matchup, you're probably starting him. And it doesn't really matter what the analysis is going to look like against Crystal Palace. Um, but for Crystal Palace here, um, you really are hoping for those assets to start in the first game, and the second game otherwise they are essentially useless so if they don't start in that first game don't start them for this matchup against Brighton it's not worth it it's not good enough obviously I'd still rather play um, a Crystal Palace matchup against Brighton than City but that is not by much they're still supposed to lose by a goal here so uh, proceed with caution on this week is is really the motto with Crystal Palace there's there's not much to be had there. You're you're pretty much picking at bones um, when you're looking at their team on the waiver wire, and um, you know the same could maybe be said for Southampton this week. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a lot that's tempting me. Obviously, a matchup against Brentford is going to be more desirable, especially at home, uh, rather than Manchester United, uh, as this one is a pick 'em with an over under of 2.25. So I think if you're starting a Southampton asset, you're only starting those bona fide guys. That you know are going to start both the games, and you just pray that Manu does not put three past them. If that happens, you'll probably be okay with the end result that they give you. Um, but other than that, you're going to be disappointed. And I, I think that there's probably going to be better options on the game week than starting someone like a Salisu if he does start, um, you know, or Kyle Walker Peters, who would probably start both games. Uh, So yeah, proceed with caution with Southampton as well, although if I were forced gun to the head to pick between Palace and Southampton assets, I would certainly lean Southampton assets, um, just not by a ton. Well, that gets us to the end of the week, and uh, I'm just going to share a couple of my starts of the week before we move on and, you know, sew this thing up. It's been a little bit shorter of a show since I've just been rambling on, and I appreciate all of you who have stuck with me this week um in these inclement conditions i know they are not ideal but we are still here to help you for your game week via the podcast format so uh our starts of the week my starts of the week uh at defender i've got pedro porro who i think is going to you know i think he's going to return to the form that he was before coming to tottenham and i think given the fact that he was able to rack up eight goals points in 80 minutes against Wolves um, and also got the clean sheet for his troubles before Adama Traore scored. um, I think going forward, he's more of a defender, two, with the potential to become a defender, one. Uh, If you can get him in on the cheap, given that he had a pretty abysmal first game and his reputation has since been slandered, I would take advantage of that. But I think that the manager that has him right now probably spent enough fab that they're going to want to hold on to him. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think he is a defender, uh, won this week actually with their matchup against Nottingham Forest at home, uh, very strong start. I see him uh, getting probably 15 points this week um, in, a, in a very positive matchup. So, At midfield, I've got Harvey Elliott, uh, you know, heard me talking about him earlier. He's 19th in shot creating actions per 90 and uh, 18th in gold creating actions per 90 he is uh, probably one of the highlights of the week. If you can snag him, he should be widely, widely available. Um, and he should most likely start from here on out, uh, given his recent performances w- being what I would say well above average. Um, he has seemed very dynamic in the midfield, dictating the play, and he's got three great forward options ahead of him uh, with, with uh, three guys returning from injury in Firmino, Jota, uh, and Diaz, who could potentially be a starting three for any other team in the Prem. Uh, so plenty of forward options for him to feed and uh, you know maybe see some attacking returns. So he is, a, he is the definition of a high upside play this week. And going forward, I think he needs to be owned. Um, and then lastly, at attacker, might be a bit chalky given the double game week, but I've got Evan Ferguson, who is only 53% owned at the time of writing. Um, I don't understand that. I think some people are delusional. I think 47% of leagues may have just logged off for the rest of the year because this guy needs to be uh, borderline 100% owned, uh, in, in my opinion. I know many of you competitive folk will be like, oh, he's owned in every league I have. That's great and all, but uh, you know, just make sure you take a peek at your waiver wire and um, just verify that that isn't your league uh, because... I think he is a strong forward 2 rest of season with the ability to be um, similar to a forward 1 in weeks like this. So with that, um, that concludes everything. i not doing questions today. We'll, we'll come back with those next week when hopefully we're able to get Peter back on the show. Um, thanks to all of you for, for understanding. Hopefully the uh, you know a little bit of the shakeup that we've had um, within the Premier League on Tap team and um thank you again to nate for all his contributions and kind of getting the Premier league on tap off the ground it's probably something i admittedly wouldn't have made happen myself but i have uh thoroughly enjoyed my time so far in um you know designing this content to be given in verbal form for you guys every week via a heartfelt podcast uh to prep you guys for each and every game week each and every matchup um it's been it's been a great experience so far, and we hope to continue that. Uh, and like I said, Peter should hopefully be back next week to uh, bring your podcast. So, with that, I'm Zach at Drafting for Upside. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers.